0: book Ten of laws by plato translated by benjamin jowett this librivox recording is in the public domain book Ten, and now having spoken of assaults let us sum up all acts of violence under a single law which shall be as follows no one shall take or carry away any of his neighbor's goods neither shall he use anything which is his neighbour's without the consent of the owner for these are the offences which are and have been and will ever be the source of all the aforesaid evils the greatest of them are excesses and insolences of youth and are offences against the greatest when they are done against religion and especially great when in violation of public and holy rights, or of the partly common rights in which tribes and trees, share and in the second degree great when they are committed against private rites and sepulchres and in the third degree not to repeat the acts formerly mentioned when insults are offered to parents the fourth kind of violence is when any one regardless of the authority of the rulers takes or carries away or makes use of anything which belongs to them not having their consent and the fifth kind is when the violation of the civil rights of an individual demands reparation there should be a common law embracing all these cases for we have already said in general terms what shall be the punishment of sacrilege whether fraudulent or violent and now we have to determine what is to be the punishment of those who speak or act insolently towards the gods but first we must give them an admonition which may be in the following terms no one who in obedience to the laws believed that there were gods ever intentionally did any unholy act or uttered any unlawful word but he who did must have supposed one of three things either that they did not exist which is the first possibility or secondly that if they did they took no care of man or thirdly that they were easily appeased and turned aside from their purpose by sacrifices and prayers cleinias what shall we say or do to these persons athenian my good friend let us first hear the jests which i suspect that they in their superiority will utter against us cleinias what jests athenian they will make some irreverent speech of this sort o inhabitants of athens and sparta and kenosis they will reply in that you speak truly for some of us deny the very existence of the gods while others as you say are of opinion that they do not care about us and others that they are turned from their course by gifts now we have a right to claim as you yourself allowed in the matter of laws that before you are hard upon us and threaten us you should argue with us and convince us you should first attempt to teach and persuade us that there are gods by reasonable evidences and also that they are too good to be unrighteous or to be propitiated or turned from their course by gifts for when we hear such things said of them by those who are esteemed to be the best of poets and orators and prophets and priests and by innumerable others the thoughts of most of us are not set upon abstaining from unrighteous acts but upon doing them and atoning for them when lawgivers profess that they are gentle and not stern we think that they should first of all use persuasion to us and show us the existence of gods if not in a better manner than other men at any rate in a truer and who knows but that we shall hearken to you if then our request is a fair one please to accept our challenge cleinias but is there any difficulty in proving the existence of the gods athen how would you prove it cleinias how in the first place the earth and the sun and the stars and the universe and the fair order of the seasons and the division of them into years and months furnish proofs of their existence and also there is the fact that all hellenes and barbarians believe in them athenian i fear my sweet friend though i will not say that i much regard the contempt with which the profane will be likely to assail us for you do not understand the nature of their complaint and you fancy that they rush into impiety only from a love of sensual pleasure cleinias why stranger what other reason is there athenian one which you who live in a different atmosphere would never guess cleinias what is it athenian a very grievous sort of ignorance which is imagined to be the greatest wisdom cleinias what do you mean Athenian? at athens there are tales preserved in writing which the virtue of your state as i am informed refuses to admit they speak of the gods in prose as well as verse and the oldest of them tell of the origin of the heavens and of the world and not far from the beginning of their story they proceed to narrate the birth of the gods and how after they were born they behaved to one another whether these stories have in other ways a good or a bad influence i should not like to be severe upon them because they are ancient but looking at them with reference to the duties of children to their parents i cannot praise them or think that they are useful or at all true of the words of the ancients i have nothing more to say and i should wish to say of them only what is pleasing to the gods but as to our younger generation and their wisdom i cannot let them off when they do mischief for do but mark the effect of their words when you and i argue for the existence of the gods and produce the sun moon stars and earth claiming for them a divine being if we would listen to the aforesaid philosophers we should say that they are earth and stones only which can have no care at all of human affairs and that all religion is a cooking up of words and a make-believe cleinias one such teacher o oh stranger would be bad enough and you imply that there are many of them which is worse athenian well then what shall we say or do shall we assume that some one is accusing us among unholy men who are trying to escape from the effect of our legislation and that they say of us how dreadful that you should legislate on the supposition that there are gods shall we make a defence of ourselves or shall we leave them and return to our laws lest the prelude should become longer than the law for the discourse will certainly extend to great length if we are to treat the impiously disposed as they desire partly demonstrating to them at some length the things of which they demand an explanation partly making them afraid or dissatisfied and then proceed to the requisite enactments yes stranger but then how often have we repeated already that on the present occasion there is no reason why brevity should be preferred to length for who is at our heels as the saying goes and it would be paltry and ridiculous to prefer the shorter to the better it is a matter of no small consequence in some way or other to prove that there are gods and that they are good and regard justice more than men do the demonstration of this would be the best and noblest prelude of all our laws and therefore without impatience and without hurry let us unreservedly consider the whole matter summoning up all the power of persuasion which we possess athenian seeing you thus in earnest i would fain offer up a prayer that i may succeed but i must proceed at once who can be calm when he is called upon to prove the existence of the gods who can avoid hating and abhorring the men who are and have been the cause of this argument I speak of those who will not believe the tales which they have heard as babes and sucklings from their mothers and nurses repeated by them both in jest and earnest like charms who have also heard them in the sacrificial prayers and seen sights accompanying them sights and sounds delightful to children and their parents during the sacrifices showing an intense earnestness on behalf of their children and of themselves and with eager interest talking to the gods and beseeching them as though they were firmly convinced convinced of their existence who likewise see and hear the prostrations and invocations which are made by hellenes and barbarians at the rising and setting of the sun and moon in all the vicissitudes of life not as if they thought that there were no gods but as if there could be no doubt of their existence and no suspicion of their non-existence when men knowing all these things despise them on no real grounds as would be admitted by all who have any particle of intelligence and when they force us to say what we are now saying how can any one in gentle terms remonstrate with the like of them when he has to begin by proving to them the very existence of the gods yet the attempt must be made for it would be unseemly that one half of mankind should go mad in their lust of pleasure and the other half in their indignation at such persons our address to these lost and perverted natures should not be spoken in passion let us suppose ourselves to select some one of them and gently reason with him smothering our anger o oh, my son we will say to him you are young and the advance of time will make you reverse many of the opinions which you now hold wait a while and do not attempt to judge at present of the highest things and that is the highest of which you now think nothing to know the gods rightly and to live accordingly and in the first place let me indicate to you one point which is of great importance and about which i cannot be deceived you and your friends are not the first who have held this opinion about the gods there have always been persons more or less numerous who have had the same disorder i have known many of them and can tell you that no one who had taken up in youth this opinion that the gods do not exist ever continued in the same until he was old the two other notions certainly do continue in some cases but not in many the notion i mean that the gods exist but take no heed of human things and the other notion that they do take heed of them but are easily propitiated with sacrifices and prayers as to the opinion about the gods which may some day become clear to you i advise you to wait and consider if it be true or not ask of others and above all of the legislator in the meantime take care that you do not offend against the gods for the duty of the legislator is and always will be to teach you the truth of these matters cleinias our address stranger thus far is excellent athenian quite true megillus and cleinias but i am afraid that we have unconsciously lighted on a strange doctrine cleinias what doctrine do you mean athenian the wisest of all doctrines in the opinion of many cleinias i wish that you would speak plainer athenian the doctrine that all things do become have become and will become some by nature some by art and some by chance cleinias is not that true athenian well philosophers are probably right at any rate we may as well follow in their track and examine what is the meaning of them and their disciples cleinias by all means athenian they say that the greatest and fairest things are the work of nature and of chance the lesser of art which receiving from nature the greater and primeval creations moulds and fashions all those lesser works which are generally termed artificial cleinias how is that athenian i will explain my meaning still more clearly they say that fire and water and earth and air all exist by nature and chance and none of them by art and that as to the bodies which come next in order earth and sun and moon and stars they have been created by means of these absolutely inanimate existences the elements are severally moved by chance and some inherent force according to certain affinities among them of hot with cold or of dry with moist or of soft with hard and according to all the other accidental admixtures of opposites which have been formed by necessity after this fashion and in this manner the whole heaven has been created and all that is in the heaven as well as animals and all plants and all the seasons come from these elements not by the action of mind as they say or of any god or from art but as i was saying by nature and chance only art sprang up afterwards and out of these mortal and of mortal birth and produced in play certain images and very partial imitations of the truth having an affinity to one another such as music and painting create and their companion arts and there are other arts which have a serious purpose and these cooperate with nature such for example as medicine and husbandry and gymnastic and they say that politics cooperate with nature but in a less degree and have more of art also that legislation is entirely a work of art and is based on assumptions which are not true cleinias how do you mean athenian in the first place my dear friend these people would say that the gods exist not by nature but by art and by the laws of states which are different in different places according to the agreement of those who make them and that the honourable is one thing by nature and another thing by law and that the principles of justice have no existence at all in nature but that mankind are always disputing about them and altering them and that the alterations which are made by art and by law have no basis in nature but are of authority for the moment and at the time at which they are made these my friends are the sayings of wise men poets and prose writers which find a way into the minds of youth they are told by them that the highest right is might and in this way the young fall into impieties under the idea that the gods are not such as the law bids them imagine and hence arise factions these philosophers inviting them to lead a true life according to nature that is to live in real dominion over others and not in legal subjection to them cleinias what a dreadful picture stranger have you given and how great is the injury which is thus inflicted on young men to the ruin both of states and families athenian true cleinias but then what should the lawgiver do when this evil is of long standing should he only rise up in the state and threaten all mankind proclaiming that if they will not say and think that the gods are such as the law ordains and this may be extended generally to the honourable the just and to all the highest things and to all that relates to virtue and vice and if they will not make their actions conform to the copy which the law gives them then he who refuses to obey the law shall die or suffer stripes and bonds or privation of citizenship or in some cases be punished by loss of property and exile should he not rather when he is making laws for men at the same time infuse the spirit of persuasion into his words and mitigate the severity of them as far as he can why stranger if such persuasion be at all possible then a legislator who has anything in him ought never to weary of persuading men he ought to leave nothing unsaid in support of the ancient opinion that there are gods and of all those other truths which you were just now mentioning he ought to support the law and also art and acknowledge that both alike exist by nature and no less than nature if they are the creations of mind in accordance with right reason as you appear to me to maintain and i am disposed to agree with you in thinking athenian yes my enthusiastic cleinias but are not these things when spoken to a multitude hard to be understood not to mention that they take up a dismal length of time why stranger, shall we whose patience failed not when drinking or music were the themes of discourse weary now of discoursing about the gods and about divine things and the greatest help to rational legislation is that the laws when once written down are always at rest they can be put to the test at any future time and therefore if on first hearing they seem difficult there is no reason for apprehension about them because any man however dull can go over them and consider them again and again nor if they are tedious but useful is there any reason or religion as it seems to me in any man refusing to maintain the principles of them to the utmost of his power Megillus, stranger i like what cleinias is saying athenian yes megillus and we should do as he proposes for if impious discourses were not scattered as i may say throughout the world there would have been no need for any vindication of the existence of the gods but seeing that they are spread far and wide such arguments are needed and who should come to the rescue of the greatest laws when they are being undermined by bad men but the legislator himself megillus, there is no more proper champion of them athenian well then tell me cleinias for i must ask you to be my partner does not he who talks in this way conceive fire and water and earth and air to be the first elements of all things these he calls nature and out of these he supposes the soul to be formed afterwards and this is not a mere conjecture of ours about his meaning but is what he really means cleinias very true athenian then by heaven we have discovered the source of this vain opinion of all those physical investigators and i would have you examine their arguments with the utmost care for their impiety is a very serious matter they not only make a bad and mistaken use of argument but they lead away the minds of others that is my opinion of them Cleinias, you are right but i should like to know how this happens athenian i fear that the argument may seem singular cleinias do not hesitate stranger i see that you are afraid of such a discussion carrying you beyond the limits of legislation but if there be no other way of showing our agreement in the belief that there are gods of whom the law is said now to approve let us take this way my good sir athenian then i suppose that i must repeat the singular argument of those who manufacture the soul according to their own impious notions they affirm that which is the first cause of the generation and destruction of all things to be not first but last and that which is last to be first and hence they have fallen into error about the true nature of the gods cleinias still i do not understand you athenian nearly all of them my friends seem to be ignorant of the nature and power of the soul especially in what relates to her origin they do not know that she is among the first of things and before all bodies and is the chief author of their changes and transpositions and if this is true and if the soul is older than the body must not the things which are of the soul's kindred be of necessity prior to those which appertain to the body cleinias certainly athenian then thought and attention and mind and art and law will be prior to that which is hard and soft and heavy and light and the great and primitive works and actions will be works of art they will be the first and after them will come nature and works of nature which however is a wrong term for men to apply to them these will follow and will be under the government of art and mind cleinias but why is the word nature wrong athenian because those who use the term mean to say that nature is the first creative power but if the soul turn out to be the primeval element and not fire or air then in the truest sense and beyond other things the soul may be said to exist by nature and this would be true if you prove that the soul is older than the body but not otherwise cleinias you are quite right athenian shall we then take this as the next point to which our attention should be directed cleinias by all means athenian let us be on our guard lest this most deceptive argument with its youthful looks beguiling us old men give us the slip and make a laughing-stock of us who knows but we may be aiming at the greater and fail of attaining the lesser suppose that we three have to pass a rapid river and i being the youngest of the three and experienced in rivers take upon me the duty of making the attempt first by myself leaving you in safety on the bank i am to examine whether the river is passable by older men like yourselves and if such appears to be the case then i shall invite you to follow and my experience will help to convey you across but if the river is impassable by you then there will have been no danger to anybody but myself would not that seem to be a very fair proposal i mean to say that the argument in prospect is likely to be too much for you out of your depth and beyond your strength and i should be afraid that the stream of my questions might create in you who are not in the habit of answering giddiness and confusion of mind and hence a feeling of unpleasantness and unsuitableness might arise i think therefore that i had better first ask the questions and then answer them myself while you listen in safety in that way i can carry on the argument until i have completed the proof that the soul is prior to the body cleinias excellent stranger and i hope that you will do as you propose athenian come then and if ever we are to call upon the gods let us call upon them now in all seriousness to come to the demonstration of their own existence and so holding fast to the rope we will venture upon the depths of the argument when questions of this sort are asked of me my safest answer would appear to be as follows some one says to me o stranger are all things at rest and nothing in motion or is the exact opposite of this true or are some things in motion and others at rest to this i shall reply that some things are in motion and others at rest and do not things which move move in a place and are not the things which are at rest at rest in a place certainly and some move or rest in one place and some in more places than one you mean to say we shall rejoin that those things which rest at the centre move in one place just as the circumference goes round of globes which are said to be at rest yes and we observe that in the revolution the motion which carries round the larger and the lesser circle at the same time is proportionally distributed to greater and smaller and is greater and smaller in a certain proportion here is a wonder which might be thought an impossibility that the same motion should impart swiftness and slowness in due proportion to larger and lesser circles very true and when you speak of bodies moving in many places you seem to me to mean those which move from one place to another and sometimes have one centre of motion and sometimes more than one because they turn upon their axis and whenever they meet anything if it be stationary they are divided by it but if they get in the midst between bodies which are approaching and moving towards the same spot from opposite directions they unite with them i admit the truth of what you are saying also when they unite they grow and when they are divided they waste away that is supposing the constitution of each to remain or if that fails then there is a second reason of their dissolution and when are all things created and how clearly they are created when the first principle receives increase and attains to the second dimension and from this arrives at the one which is neighbour to this and after reaching the third becomes perceptible to sense everything which is thus changing and moving is in process of generation only when at rest has it real existence but when passing into another state it is destroyed utterly have we not mentioned all motions that there are and comprehended them under their kinds and numbered them with the exception my friends of two cleinias which are they athenian just the two with which our present inquiry is concerned cleinias speak plainer athenian i suppose that our inquiry has reference to the soul cleinias very true athenian let us assume that there is a motion able to move other things but not to move itself that is one kind and there is another kind which can move itself as well as other things working in composition and decomposition by increase and diminution and generation and destruction that is also one of the many kinds of motion cleinias granted athenian and we will assume that which moves other and is changed by other to be the ninth and that which changes itself and others and is coincident with every action and every passion and is the true principle of change and motion in all that is that we shall be inclined to call the tenth cleinias certainly athenian and which of these ten motions ought we to prefer as being the mightiest and most efficient cleinias i must say that the motion which is able to move itself is ten thousand times superior to all the others athenian very good but may i make one or two corrections in what i have been saying cleinias what are they athenian when i spoke of the tenth sort of motion that was not quite correct cleinias what was the error athenian according to the true order the tenth was really the first in generation and power then follows the second which was strangely enough termed the ninth by us cleinias what do you mean athenian i mean this when one thing changes another and that another of such will there be any primary changing element how can a thing which is moved by another ever be the beginning of change impossible but when the self moved changes other and that again other and thus thousands upon tens of thousands of bodies are set in motion must not the beginning of all this motion be the change of the self moving principle cleinias very true and i quite agree Athena, or to put the question in another way making answer to ourselves if as most of these philosophers have the audacity to affirm all things were at rest in one mass which of the above-mentioned principles of motion would first spring up among them clearly the self-moving for there could be no change in them arising out of any external cause the change must first take place in themselves athenian then we must say that self-motion being the origin of all motions and the first which arises among things at rest as well as among things in motion is the eldest and mightiest principle of change and that which is changed by another and yet moves other is second cleinias quite true athenian at this stage of the argument let us put a question cleinias what question athenian if we were to see this power existing in any earthy watery or fiery substance simple or compound how should we describe it cleinias you mean to ask whether we should call such a self-moving power life athenian i do cleinias certainly we should athenian and when we see soul in anything must we not do the same must we not admit that this is life cleinias we must athenian and now i beseech you reflect you would admit that we have a threefold knowledge of things cleinias what do you mean Athenian, I mean that we know the essence, and that we know the definition of the essence, and the name. These are the three, and there are two questions, which may be raised about anything. Cleinias, how to? Athenian, sometimes a person may give the name and ask the definition, or he may give the definition and ask the name. I may illustrate what I mean in this way. Cleinias, how? Athenian, number like some other things is capable of being divided into equal parts when thus divided number is named even and the definition of the name even is number divisible into two equal parts cleinias true athenian i mean that when we are asked about the definition and give the name or when we are asked about the name and give the definition in either case whether we give name or definition we speak of the same thing calling even the number which is divided into two equal parts cleinias quite true athenian and what is the definition of that which is named soul can we conceive of any other than that which has been already given the motion which can move itself cleinias you mean to say that the essence which is defined as the self moved is the same with that which has the name soul athenian yes and if this is true do we still maintain that there is anything wanting in the proof that the soul is the first origin and moving power of all that is or has become or will be and their contraries when she has been clearly shown to be the source of change and motion in all things cleinias certainly not the soul as being the source of motion has been most satisfactorily shown to be the oldest of all things athenian and is not that motion which is produced in another by reason of another but never has any self-moving power at all being in truth the change of an inanimate body to be reckoned second or by any lower number which you may prefer cleinias exactly athenian then we are right and speak the most perfect and absolute truth when we say that the soul is prior to the body and that the body is second and comes afterwards and is born to obey the soul which is the ruler cleinias nothing can be more true athenian do you remember our old admission that if the soul was prior to the body the things of the soul were also prior to those of the body cleinias certainly athenian then characters and manners and wishes and reasonings and true opinions and reflections and recollections are prior to length and breadth and depth and strength of bodies if the soul is prior to the body cleinias to be sure athenian in the next place we must not of necessity admit that the soul is the cause of good and evil base and honourable just and unjust and of all other opposites if we suppose her to be the cause of all things cleinias we must athenian and as the soul orders and inhabits all things that move however moving must we not say that she orders also the heavens cleinias of course athenian one soul or more more than one i will answer for you at any rate we must not suppose that there are less than two one the author of good and the other of evil cleinias very true athenian yes very true the soul then directs all things in heaven and earth and sea by her movements and these are described by the terms will consideration attention deliberation opinion true and false joy and sorrow confidence fear hatred love and other primary motions akin to these which again receive the secondary motions of corporeal substances and guide all things to growth and decay to composition and decomposition and to the qualities which accompany them such as heat and cold heaviness and lightness hardness and softness blackness and whiteness bitterness and sweetness and all those other qualities which the soul uses herself a goddess when truly receiving the divine mind she disciplines all things rightly to their happiness but when she is the companion of folly she does the very contrary of all this shall we assume so much or do we still entertain doubts cleinias there is no room at all for doubt athenian shall we say then that it is the soul which controls heaven and earth and the whole world that it is a principle of wisdom and virtue or a principle which has neither wisdom nor virtue suppose that we make answer as follows cleinias how would you answer athenian if my friend we say that the whole path and movement of heaven and of all that is therein is by nature akin to the movement and revolution and calculation of mind and proceeds by kindred laws then as is plain we must say that the best soul takes care of the world and guides it along the good path cleinias true athenian but if the world moves wildly and irregularly then the evil soul guides it cleinias true again athenian of what nature is the movement of mind to this question it is not easy to give an intelligent answer and therefore i ought to assist you in framing one cleinias very good athenian then let us not answer as if we would look straight at the sun making ourselves darkness at midday i mean as if we were under the impression that we could see with mortal eyes or know adequately the nature of mind it will be safer to look at the image only cleinias what do you mean athenian let us select of the ten motions the one which mind chiefly resembles this i will bring to your recollection and will then make the answer on behalf of us all cleinias that will be excellent athenian you will surely remember our saying that all things were either at rest or in motion cleinias i do athenian and that of things in motion some were moving in one place and others in more than one cleinias yes athenian of these two kinds of motion that which moves in one place must move about a centre like globes made in a lathe and is most entirely akin and similar to the circular movement of mind cleinias what do you mean athenian in saying that both mind and the motion which is in one place move in the same and like manner in and about the same and in relation to the same and according to one proportion and order and are like the motion of a globe we invented a fair image which does no discredit to our ingenuity cleinias it does us great credit athenian and the motion of the other sort which is not after the same manner nor in the same nor about the same nor in relation to the same nor in one place nor in order nor according to any rule or proportion may be said to be akin to senselessness and folly cleinias that is most true athenian then after what has been said there is no difficulty in distinctly stating that since soul carries all things round either the best soul or the contrary must of necessity carry round and order and arrange the revolution of the heaven cleinias and judging from what has been said stranger there would be impiety in asserting that any but the most perfect soul or souls carries round the heavens athenian you have understood my meaning right well cleinias and now let me ask you another question cleinias what are you going to ask athenian if the soul carries round the sun and moon and the other stars does she not carry round each individual of them cleinias certainly athenian then of one of them let us speak and the same argument will apply to all cleinias which will you take athenian every one sees the body of the sun but no one sees his soul nor the soul of any other body living or dead yet there is great reason to believe that this nature unperceived by any of our senses is circumfused around them all but is perceived by mind and therefore by mind and reflection only let us apprehend the following point cleinias what is that athenian if the soul carries round the sun we shall not be far wrong in supposing one of three alternatives cleinias what are they athenian either the soul which moves the sun this way and that resides within the circular and visible body like the soul which carries us about every way or the soul provides herself with an external body of fire or air as some affirm and violently propels body by body or thirdly she is without such a body but guides the sun by some extraordinary and wonderful power cleinias yes certainly the soul can only order all things in one of these three ways athenian and this soul of the sun which is therefore better than the sun whether taking the sun about in a chariot to give light to men or acting from without or in whatever way ought by every man to be deemed a god cleinias yes by every man who has the least particle of sense athenian and of the stars too and of the moon and of the years and months and seasons must we not say in like manner that since a soul or souls having every sort of excellence are the causes of all of them those souls are gods whether they are living beings and reside in bodies and in this way order the whole heaven or whatever be the place and mode of their existence and will any one who admits all this venture to deny that all things are full of gods cleinias no one stranger would be such a madman athenian and now megillus and cleinias let us offer terms to him who has hitherto denied the existence of the gods and leave him cleinias what terms athenian either he shall teach us that we were wrong in saying that the soul is the original of all things and arguing accordingly or if he be not able to say anything better then he must yield to us and live for the remainder of his life in the belief that there are gods let us see then whether we have said enough or not enough to those who deny that there are gods cleinias certainly quite enough stranger athenian then to them we will say no more and now we are to address him who believing that there are gods believes also that they take no heed of human affairs to him we say o thou best of men in believing that there are gods you are led by some affinity to them which attracts you towards your kindred and makes you honour and believe in them but the fortunes of evil and unrighteous men in private as well as public life which though not really happy are wrongly counted happy in the judgment of men and are celebrated both by poets and prose writers these draw you aside from your natural piety perhaps you have seen impious men growing old and leaving their children's children in high offices and their prosperity shakes your faith you have known or heard or been yourself an eye-witness of many monstrous impieties and have beheld men by such criminal means from small beginnings attaining to sovereignty and the pinnacle of greatness and considering all these things you do not like to accuse the gods of them because they are your relatives and so from some want of reasoning power and also from an unwillingness to find fault with them you have come to believe that they exist indeed but have no thought or care of human things now that your present evil opinion may not grow to still greater impiety and that we may if possible use arguments which may conjure away the evil before it arrives we will add another argument to that originally addressed to him who utterly denied the existence of the gods and do you megillus and cleinias answer for the young man as you did before and if any impediment comes in our way i will take the word out of your mouths and carry you over the river as i did just now cleinias very good do as you say and we will help you as well as we can athenian there will probably be no difficulty in proving to him that the gods care about the small as well as about the great for he was present and heard what was said that they are perfectly good and that the care of all things is most entirely natural to them cleinias no doubt he heard that athenian let us consider together in the next place what we mean by this virtue which we ascribe to them surely we should say that to be tempered and to possess mind belongs to virtue and the contrary to vice cleinias certainly athenian yes and courage is a part of virtue and cowardice of vice cleinias true athenian and the one is honourable and the other dishonourable cleinias to be sure athenian and the one like other meaner things is a human quality but the gods have no part in anything of the sort cleinias that again is what everybody will admit athenian but do we imagine carelessness and idleness and luxury to be virtues what do you think cleinias decidedly not athenian they rank under the opposite class cleinias yes athenian and their opposites therefore would fall under the opposite class cleinias yes athenian but are we to suppose that one who possesses all these good qualities will be luxurious and heedless and idle like those whom the poet compares to stingless drones cleinias and the comparison is a most just one athenian surely god must not be supposed to have a nature which he himself hates he who dares to say this sort of thing must not be tolerated for a moment cleinias of course not how could he have athenian should we not on any principle be entirely mistaken in praising any one who has some special business entrusted to him if he have a mind which takes care of great matters and no care of small ones reflect he who acts in this way whether he be god or man must act from one of two principles cleinias what are they athenian either he must think that the neglect of the small matters is of no consequence to the whole or if he knows that they are of consequence and he neglects them his neglect must be attributed to carelessness and indolence is there any other way in which his neglect can be explained for surely when it is impossible for him to take care of all he is not negligent if he fails to attend to these things great or small which a god or some inferior being might be wanting in strength or capacity to manage cleinias certainly not athenian now then let us examine the offenders who both alike confess that there are gods but with a difference the one saying that they may be appeased and the other that they have no care of small matters there are three of us and two of them and we will say to them in the first place you both acknowledge that the gods hear and see and know all things and that nothing can escape them which is matter of sense and knowledge do you admit this cleinias yes Athenian and do you admit also that they have all power which mortals and immortals can have cleinias they will of course admit this also athenian and surely we three and they two five and all have acknowledged that they are good and perfect cleinias assuredly athenian but if they are such as we conceive them to be can we possibly suppose that they ever act in the spirit of carelessness and indolence for in us inactivity is the child of cowardice and carelessness of inactivity and indolence cleinias most true athenian then not from inactivity and carelessness is any god ever negligent for there is no cowardice in them cleinias that is very true athenian then the alternative which remains is that if the gods neglect the lighter and lesser concerns of the universe they neglect them because they know that they ought not to care about such matters what other alternative is there but the opposite of their knowing cleinias there is none athenian and O oh, most excellent and best of men do i understand you to mean that they are careless because they are ignorant and do not know that they ought to take care or that they know and yet like the meanest sort of men knowing the better choose the worse because they are overcome by pleasures and pains cleinias impossible athenian do not all human things partake of the nature of soul and is not man the most religious of all animals cleinias that is not to be denied athenian and we acknowledge that all mortal creatures are the property of the gods to whom also the whole of heaven belongs cleinias certainly athenian and therefore whether a person says that these things are to the gods great or small in either case it would not be natural for the gods who own us and who are the most careful and the best of owners to neglect us there is also a further consideration cleinias what is it athenian sensation and power are in an inverse ratio to each other in respect to their ease and difficulty cleinias what do you mean athenian i mean that there is greater difficulty in seeing and hearing the small than the great but more facility in moving and controlling and taking care of small and unimportant things than of their opposites cleinias far more athenian suppose the case of a physician who is willing and able to cure some living things as a whole how will the whole fare at his hands if he takes care only of the greater and neglects the parts which are lesser cleinias decidedly not well athenian no better would be the result with pilots or generals or householders or statesmen or any other such class if they neglected the small and regarded only the great as the builders say the larger stones do not lie well without the lesser cleinias of course not athenian let us not then deem god inferior to human workmen who in proportion to their skill finish and perfect their work small as well as great by one and the same art or that god the wisest of beings who is both willing and able to take care is like a lazy good-for-nothing or a coward who turns his back upon labour and gives no thought to smaller and easier matters but to the greater only cleinias never stranger let us admit a supposition about the gods which is both impious and false athenian i think that we have now argued enough with him who delights to accuse the gods of neglect cleinias yes athenian he has been forced to acknowledge that he is an error but he still seems to me to need some words of consolation cleinias what consolation will you offer him athenian let us say to the youth the ruler of the universe has ordered all things with a view to the excellence and preservation of the whole and each part as far as may be has an action and passion appropriate to it over these down to the least fraction of them ministers have been appointed to preside who have wrought out their perfection with infinitesimal exactness and one of these portions of the universe is thine own unhappy man which however little contributes to the whole and you do not seem to be aware that this and every other creation is for the sake of the whole and in order that the life of the whole may be blessed and that you are created for the sake of the whole and not the whole for the sake of you for every physician and every skilled artist does all things for the sake of the whole directing his effort towards the common good executing the part for the sake of the whole and not the whole for the sake of the part and you are annoyed because you are ignorant how what is best for you happens to you and to the universe as far as the laws of the common creation admit now as the soul combining first with one body and then with another undergoes all sorts of changes either of herself or through influence of another soul all that remains to the player of the game is that he should shift the pieces sending the better nature to the better place and the worse to the worse and so assigning to them their proper portion Cleinias, in what way do you mean? Athenian, in a way which may be supposed to make the care of all things easy to the gods. If any one were to form or fashion all things without any regard to the whole, if, for example, he formed a living element of water out of fire, instead of forming many things out of one or one out of many in regular order, attaining to a first or second or third birth, the transmutation would have been infinite. But now the ruler of the world has a wonderfully easy task cleinias how so athenian i will explain when the king saw that our actions had life and that there was much virtue in them and much vice and that the soul and body although not like the gods of popular opinion eternal yet having once come into existence were indestructible for if either of them had been destroyed there would have been no generation of living beings and when he observed that the good of the soul was ever by nature designed to profit men and the evil to harm them he seeing all this contrived so to place each of the parts that their position might in the easiest and best manner procure the victory of good and the defeat of evil in the whole and he contrived a general plan by which a thing of a certain nature found a certain seat and room but the formation of qualities he left to the wills of individuals for every one of us is made pretty much what he is by the bent of his desires and by the nature of his soul cleinias yes that is probably true athenian that all things which have a soul change and possess in themselves a principle of change and in changing move according to law and to the order of destiny natures which have undergone a lesser change move less and on the earth's surface but those which have suffered more change and have become more criminal sink into the abyss that is to say into hades and other places in the world below of which the very names terrify men and which they picture to themselves as in a dream both while alive and when released from the body and whenever the soul receives more of good or evil from her own energy and the strong influence of others when she has communion with divine virtue and becomes divine she is carried into another and better place which is perfect in holiness but when she has communion with evil then she also changes the place of her life this is the justice of the gods who inhabit olympus o youth or young man who fancy that you are neglected by the gods know that if you become worse you shall go to the worse souls or if better to the better in every succession of life and death you will do and suffer what like may fitly suffer at the hands of like this is the justice of heaven which neither you nor any other unfortunate will ever glory in escaping and which the ordaining powers have specially ordained take good heed thereof for it will be sure to take heed of you if you say i am small and will creep into the depths of the earth or i am high and will fly up to heaven you are not so small or so high but that you shall pay the fitting penalty either here or in the world below or in some still more savage place whither you shall be conveyed this is also the explanation of the fate of those whom you saw who had done unholy and evil deeds and from small beginnings had grown great and you fancied that from being miserable they had become happy and in their actions as in a mirror you seem to see the universal neglect of the gods not knowing how they make all things work together and contribute to the great whole and thinkest thou bold man that thou needest not to know this he who knows it not can never form any true idea of the happiness or unhappiness of life or hold any rational discourse respecting either if cleinias and this our reverend company succeed in proving to you that you know not what you say of the gods then will god help you but should you desire to hear more listen to what we say to the third opponent if you have any understanding whatsoever for i think that we have sufficiently proved the existence of the gods and that they care for men the other notion that they are appeased by the wicked and take gifts is what we must not concede to any one and what every man should disprove to the utmost of his power Clinius, very good let us do as you say athenian well then by the gods themselves i conjure you to tell me if they are to be propitiated how are they to be propitiated who are they and what is their nature must they not be at least rulers who have to order unceasingly the whole heaven cleinias true athenian and to what earthly rulers can they be compared or who to them how in the less can we find an image of the greater are they charioteers of contending pairs of steeds or pilots of vessels perhaps they might be compared to the generals of armies or they might be likened to physicians providing against the diseases which make war upon the body or to husbandmen observing anxiously the effects of the seasons on the growth of plants or perhaps to shepherds of flocks for as we acknowledge the world to be full of many goods and also of evils and of more evils than goods there is as we affirm an immortal conflict going on among us which requires marvellous watchfulness and in that conflict the gods and demigods are our allies and we are their property injustice and insolence and folly are the destruction of us and justice and temperance and wisdom are our salvation and the place of these latter is in the life of the gods although some vestige of them may occasionally be discerned among mankind but upon this earth we know that there dwell souls possessing an unjust spirit who may be compared to brute animals which fawn upon their keepers whether dogs or shepherds or the best and most perfect masters for they in like manner as the voices of the wicked declare prevail by flattery and prayers and incantations and are allowed to make their gains with impunity and this sin which is termed dishonesty is an evil of the same kind as what is termed disease in living bodies or pestilence in years or seasons of the year and in cities and governments has another name which is injustice cleinias quite true athenian what else can he say who declares that the gods are always lenient to the doers of unjust acts if they divide the spoil with them as if wolves were to toss a portion of their prey to the dogs and they mollified by the gift suffered them to tear the flocks must not he who maintains that the gods can be propitiated argue thus cleinias precisely so athenian and to which of the above-mentioned classes of guardians would any man compare the gods without absurdity will he say that they are like pilots who are themselves turned away from their duty by libations of wine and the savour of fat and at last overturn both ship and sailors cleinias assuredly not athenian and surely they are not like charioteers who are bribed to give up the victory to other chariots cleinias that would be a fearful image of the gods athenian nor are they like generals or physicians or husbandmen or shepherds and no one would compare them to dogs who have been silenced by wolves cleinias a thing not to be spoken of athenian and are not all the gods the chiefest of all guardians and do they not guard our highest interests cleinias yes the chiefest Athenian, and shall we say that those who guard our noblest interests and are the best of guardians are inferior in virtue to dogs and to men even of moderate excellence who would never betray justice for the sake of gifts which unjust men impiously offer them cleinias certainly not nor is such a notion to be endured and he who holds this opinion may be fairly singled out and characterized as all impious men the wickedest and most impious athenian then are the three assertions that the gods exist and that they take care of men and that they can never be persuaded to do injustice now sufficiently demonstrated may we say that they are Cleinias, you have our entire assent to your words athenian i have spoken with vehemence because i am zealous against evil men and i will tell you dear cleinias why i am so i would not have the wicked think that having the superiority in argument they may do as they please and act according to their various imaginations about the gods and this zeal has led me to speak too vehemently but if we have at all succeeded in persuading the men to hate themselves and love their opposites the prelude of our laws about impiety will not have been spoken in vain cleinias so let us hope and even if we have failed the style of our argument will not discredit the lawgiver athenian after the prelude shall follow a discourse which will be the interpreter of the law this shall proclaim to all impious persons that they must depart from their ways and go over to the pious and to those who disobey let the law about impiety be as follows if a man is guilty of any impiety in word or deed any one who happens to be present shall give information to the magistrates in aid of the law and let the magistrates who first receive the information bring him before the appointed court according to the law and if a magistrate after receiving information refuses to act he shall be tried for impiety at the instance of any one who is willing to vindicate the laws and if any one be cast the court shall estimate the punishment of each act of impiety and let all such criminals be imprisoned there shall be three prisons in the state the first of them is to be the common prison in the neighborhood of the agora for the safe-keeping of the generality of offenders another is to be in the neighborhood of the nocturnal council and is to be called the house of reformation another to be situated in some wild and desolate region in the center of the country shall be called by some name expressive of retribution now men fall into impiety from three causes which have been already mentioned and from each of these causes arise two sorts of impiety in all six which are worth distinguishing and should not all have the same punishment for he who does not believe in the gods and yet has a righteous nature hates the wicked and dislikes and refuses to do injustice and avoids unrighteous men and loves the righteous but they who besides believing that the world is devoid of gods are intemperate and have at the same time good memories and quick wits are worse although both of them are unbelievers much less injury is done by the one than by the other the one may talk loosely about the gods and about sacrifices and oaths and perhaps by laughing at other men he may make them like himself if he be not punished but the other who holds the same opinions and is called a clever man is full of stratagem and deceit men of this class deal in prophecy and jugglery of all kinds and out of their ranks sometimes come tyrants and demagogues and generals and hierophants of private mysteries and the sophists as they are termed with their ingenious devices there are many kinds of unbelievers but two only for whom legislation is required one the hypocritical sort whose crime is deserving of death many times over while the other needs only bonds and admonition in like manner also the notion that the gods take no thought of men produces two other sorts of crimes and the notion that they may be propitiated produces two more assuming these divisions let those who have been made what they are only from want of understanding and not from malice or an evil nature be placed by the judge in the house of reformation and ordered to suffer imprisonment during a period of not less than five years and in the meantime let them have no intercourse with the other citizens except with members of the nocturnal council and with them let them converse with a view to the improvement of their souls health and when the time of their imprisonment has expired if any of them be of sound mind let him be restored to sane company but if not and if he be condemned a second time let him be punished with death into to that class of monstrous natures who not only believe that there are no gods or that they are negligent or to be propitiated but in contempt of mankind conjure the souls of the living and say that they can conjure the dead and promise to charm the gods with sacrifices and prayers and will utterly overthrow individuals and whole houses and states for the sake of money let him who is guilty of any of these things be condemned by the court to be bound according to law in the prison which is in the centre of the land and let no free man ever approach him but let him receive the the rations of food appointed by the guardians of the law from the hands of the public slaves and when he is dead let him be cast beyond the borders unburied and if any free man assist in burying him let him pay the penalty of impiety to any one who is willing to bring a suit against him but if he leaves behind him children who are fit to be citizens let the guardians of orphans take care of them just as they would of any other orphans from the day on which their father is convicted in all these cases there should be one law which will make men in general less liable to transgress in word or deed and less foolish because they will not be allowed to practise religious rites contrary to law and let this be the simple form of the law no man shall have sacred rites in a private house when he would sacrifice let him go to the temples and hand over his offerings to the priests and priestesses who see to the sanctity of such things and let him pray himself and let any one who pleases join with him in prayer the reason of this is as follows gods and temples are not easily instituted and to establish them rightly is the work of a mighty intellect and women especially and men too when they are sick or in danger or any sort of difficulty or again on their receiving any good fortune have a way of consecrating the occasion vowing sacrifices and promising shrines to gods demigods and sons of gods and when they are awakened by terrible apparitions and dreams or remember visions they find in altars and temples the remedies of them and will fill every house and village with them placing them in the open air or wherever they may have had such visions and with a view to all these cases we should obey the law the law has also regard to the impious and would not have them fancy that by the secret performance of these actions by raising temples and by building altars in private houses they can propitiate the gods secretly with sacrifices and prayers while they are really multiplying their crimes infinitely bringing guilt from heaven upon themselves and also upon those who permit them and who are better at men than they are and the consequence is that the whole state reaps the fruit of their impiety which in a certain sense is deserved assuredly god will not blame the legislator who will enact the following law no one shall possess shrines of the gods in private houses and he who is found to possess them and perform any sacred rites not publicly authorized supposing the offender to be some man or woman who is not guilty of any other great and impious crime shall be informed against by him who is acquainted with the fact which shall be announced by him to the guardians of the law and let them issue orders that he or she shall carry away their private rites to the public temples and if they do not persuade them let them inflict a penalty on them until they comply and if a person be proven guilty of impiety not merely from childish levity but such as grown-up men may be guilty of whether he have sacrificed publicly or privately to any gods let him be punished with death for his sacrifice is impure whether the deed has been done in earnest or only from childish levity let the guardians of the law determine before they bring the matter into court and prosecute the offender for impiety End of book 10.